there was a spike in the cases and deaths and fear hit. And within a week, our blood inventory had dwindled to the point uh, of that first Friday in March where we actually had to alert the AABB, which is the American Association of Blood Banks Task Force, Emergency Task Force, to get enough blood in to get us through the weekend. Twenty twenty seems like it's come in waves, hasn't it? First, a global pandemic, and let's be honest, that would have been enough with quarantines, social distancing, masks, travel restrictions, working from home, homeschooling, and of course, the heartbreaking mortality rate. Then came George Floyd and the beginning of what many hope will be a racial reckoning for our nation. We faced ugly truths and community pain laid bare for all to feel. And then came the wildfires, unprecedented in scope, that brought blood-red skies to Oregon and burned whole towns to the ground like tinder leaving in their wake yet more pain and heartbreak, which seemed to be becoming 2020's signature move. Who knows what's next, but through all this tumult and upheaval, we at Bloodworks have learned one thing. When it's left to us and us alone, we will rise up as a movement to make sure that the blood supply was one part of our lives we would not have to worry about. How did we do it? We told our communities how dire things were. We asked, and then the donors came. One day in March, exceeding the donations we received on 9-11 and for six months and counting now, more than enough to ensure that every patient in our community got the blood they needed. Every. Single. One. Why did we do it? I would say it's because it's who we are, and please forgive the pun, but I think it's in our blood. Left with the feeling of pervading powerlessness against the virus, civil rights inequities, and environmental meltdown, donating blood was the one way we knew for sure we could make a difference. So that's what we did in record numbers. We are not out of the woods yet, probably not even close. But you know what? After seeing the best summer for blood collections in years during a global pandemic, no less, I'd say we got this. What follows in this episode of Bloodworks 101 is an interview I did in June with Bloodworks Executive Vice President of Blood Services, Vicki Finson. We heard from her in episode six of the first season of Bloodworks 101 when she talked about how we handle emergencies. And although Vicky has been in the blood industry a long time, she's never seen anything like this. Unprecedented has become a way of life at Bloodworks these past few months, and you'll hear about our big plans, new strategies, and on-the-fly innovations that certainly amount to logistical gymnastics to meet our mission despite the converging health crises. But as you listen to this episode, I ask you to remember this. The real heroes in this story are the blood donors. None of our planning or new protocols would have mattered if they hadn't stepped up. And boy, did they. I have this memory of back in early March, back when we were in the office. It was a Friday afternoon and being in Karen's office and COVID had just started. And and she said to me that we were going to run out of blood on, on the following Wednesday. And so if you would just take us back to just on the ground in early March and, you know, you were hearing about the coronavirus happening in China and people were talking about it coming here. I mean, what was going through your mind back then? Well, you know, the, the coronavirus or COVID-19 as we call it now, I guess we're calling that, that's the illness. Uh, you know, we, in Seattle, of course, we, we were aware in January and February uh, that things were building, but we certainly couldn't predict where, where it was going. And, 
for blood works, our January-February collections were, were normal. We, we collected what we needed for our local communities. And then I remember that it was actually February 29th, a leap year, leap day. Uh, that week, which was the first week of March, um, things changed. Uh, there was a spike in the cases and deaths and fear hit. And within a week, our blood inventory had dwindled to the point uh, of that first Friday in March where we actually had to alert the AABB, which is the American Association of Blood Banks Task Force, Emergency Task Force, to get enough blood in to get us through the weekend. And it happened overnight. Wow. And was that, did they were able to make that shipment and we were able to get the blood for that weekend? We did. So blood came from throughout the country, um, about 500 units, uh, some from close by and some from Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then we started putting in place our plans of what we thought collecting blood would look like. And it cha- kept rapidly changing, as we, as we all know. So we went on media appeal uh, and also, of course, activated donors in the ways that we activate donors. And collections that that second week of March took off as people really responded. And then about mid-March, as more and more information came out about how the coronavirus was spread and the need to social distance, uh, we had to make some really, really big decisions that completely changed how we collect blood in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I remember going into work back then and finding out that you you all of the, the mobile blood drives had been canceled and that's 60% of our infrastructure for collecting blood. I mean, how did you all arrive at that decision? I mean, that's really drastic. Yeah, it was gone overnight. So you're right, 60% of, of the blood that Bloodworks collected was on mobile. So it's uh, over 400 mobile blood drives a month. And we realized we could not social distance. Um, and the first thing was on our buses. So the vast majority of that was, was drawn on our, our buses. And there was no way that people could be six feet apart. So the first step we did was to cancel our bus drives. But then within a few days, we realized that we, we couldn't really run our mobile either for a bunch of reasons. So our setup mobile. Mm-hmm. One, we needed to make sure that our, our staff was social distancing. And to get to the mobile site, they need to come in, pack up their stuff, get in a van together and drive, and then yeah. unpack it, have the mobile, be there for four to six hours, pack it back up, and drive back home. Well, that wasn't going to keep, keep them safe. So we made the really hard decision that we were canceling all our mobile. Now, at the same time, hospitals had also put new things into place uh, based on the governors of, of Washington and Oregon where they told all hospitals they could only do emergency-type surgeries, right? So anything that could be delayed was being delayed. So that never been done before? Th- that doesn't mean just... Well, I don't think so. Not, yeah. a, not on a scale like that. Sure, there were t- there have been times where elective surgeries maybe due to a hurricane or whatever, right, mm-hmm. throughout the country. 
would get delayed, but not like this. So usage dropped. Uh, and we we went to red cell usage being down about 10% the second week of March to it being down about 20% the third week of March to being down um, a third for the end of March into early April. Wow. So in a way that worked out because as we canceled our mobiles, we extended our center hours. Um, we opened them up for more days of the week, and we opened them up for longer hours. Um, and people were being told to work remotely, so they weren't in their businesses where we normally would have had those blood drives, and people were at home. So it, it sort of all worked out for us in that time period where people were closer to our centers. They weren't spending an hour or two hours commuting to work, and the, the, there was a decrease in utilization, transfusions. Then as we got into April, um, things started picking back up at some of the hospitals, and we also then started our pop-up mobiles, which is like a pop-up center, right? So it's like the idea of we find a location that wants to work with us, and we go, and we set up our stuff, and we leave it there, and then our staff just report there, just like that's their work site, and we stay open for a month or two months on certain days of the week. And we are now collecting at about even to um, the usage rate. How about that? That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And during that time, therefore, we went from 60% on mobiles to very busy centers. We social distanced every location we were drawing in. We went to appointments only. So that was a big change for our donors, too. We're mm-hmm. used to many of them just walking in, but we couldn't do that because of social distancing and having, you know, too many people waiting. Um, and we did took some other measures to protect the safety of our staff and our donors, um, cleaning surfaces, wearing masks, face coverings, and, you know, a variety of other things. It's a pretty remarkable story when you think about that. It all didn't even happen until March. You've been in this business a long time, right? Is this the biggest, most calamitous situation that you've been in in your career? Absolutely. So I've lived through fires and earthquakes. Yeah. Uh, I was with a national supplier who, who so I've dealt with other kinds of weather events, but, but since I've always been on the West Coast, I haven't dealt with as many big weather events, but certainly mm-hmm. fires and earthquakes that disrupted. But those things disrupt for a short period of time, and, yeah. and, and you know then that they're over. Certainly we've had some fires, that that disrupted for longer periods of time, but still not like this, where we knew this was going to last for a long time, and we know it's going to continue to last. Uh, the one thing that we've all learned uh, during during this uh, pandemic is that we need to be nimble, uh, and we need to be flexible. We need to keep our options open uh, to ensure the safety of everyone. Yeah, I think, I mean, you've certainly done that in terms of, the changing protocols for people going and donating with masks and things. It's just absolutely what has been on the forefront of everybody's mind is keeping everybody safe. And also from a messaging standpoint that we dealt with was just underscoring unequivocally that you know, blood donation, even with the pandemic happening, is remains a safe activity that's still critical for patients in our community who need it. You know, People are still getting cancer and they're still needing treatment and they're still requiring all kinds of things that maybe aren't necessarily in the news, but all that that's still going on. Right. And the other thing I think we've seen is the 
the community step up, both the individuals who who are donating blood and and donating in an uncertain time, um, as well as the sponsors, uh, so businesses and other uh, social groups um, stepping up, the Mariners, many many sports teams have stepped up uh, and provided space and or endorsements. We had many of our hospitals also support us uh, through this. And uh, that, that's just such a great reaffirming positive uh, message. And, you know, in a time that there's a, there's a lot to be frightened about, uh, this is something that I think that we've proven we, we as a community can do together. And that's, that's remarkable. Hope is in our blood. Our community and the world remain embroiled in the most devastating public health crisis in a generation. Yet over the past several months, we've watched awestruck as thousands of people throughout our region rolled up their sleeves, donated blood, and helped us avoid a secondary crisis. Hope, at times these days, is hard to find, but not for us. When the pandemic hit in early March, Bloodworks Northwest was forced to cancel all mobile blood drives to maintain social distancing, and overnight, 60% of our blood collection infrastructure was gone. Unprecedented would be a massive understatement. Even as we implemented new cleaning and social distancing policies, we didn't know if donors would come. Then as elective surgeries resumed and blood usage shot back up, we didn't know if we'd be able to meet the demand. And when our president and CEO, Kurt Bailey, told the media our blood supply is at risk of collapse, we didn't know how our community would respond. What happened next, we feel, is the greatest untold story of heroism in our time. Community partners, sports teams, businesses, churches, stadiums, and news outlets stepped up to help. We opened our first ever pop-up donor center hosted by the Mariners in T-Mobile Park for three months that saved thousands of lives. New pop-up donor centers just kept coming, and they still are. And the donors, they kept coming too. Over 50,000 since April 1st and more than 10,000 of them for the first time. Our blood supply didn't collapse. It found another gear, a second wind, and then a third and a fourth. We stand here today in this new and uncertain world, proud, emboldened, and surrounded by hope. This pandemic didn't keep one single patient from getting the blood they needed to live. In the past few months, cancers have been cured, traumas and surgeries recovered from, and transplants successful. This didn't happen by chance. It happened because of this community coming together, bound by the blood that runs through us all. We do not yield to a virus, to hate, to anger, to injustice. We rise up stronger together because in the end it is our blood that binds us together. On this we will not bend. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts that a time when the coronavirus has claimed so much is easy to feel powerless. You have proven that we are not. But lastly, know this, the need never stops. 1,000 people must donate blood every day to make sure that each patient in our community gets the blood they need and with it, their fighting chance. The hour you spend donating blood will forever change the life of the person who receives it. Of that, there is no question. That's the impact you can have every 56 days because long after these turbulent skies have cleared, patients will never stop needing you. That's the letter we shared with our communities in the Seattle Times, the Oregonian, and the Eugene Register Guard on Sunday, August 23rd. 
For us at Bloodworks, there is more to say, and we don't have to look far to find heroes either. In early March, our blood supply faced an unprecedented crisis. Now, six months later in late September, we're looking back on one of the best summers for blood collections we've ever had, despite a global pandemic, cultural upheaval, and now wildfires of all things. Faced with the worst, we became our best, and there are people alive today because we came together to get through this. Because we had to. This crazy year isn't over yet, but once in a while, please take a minute and think of what you've done. Because it's you and all of us who prove that our love and dedication to this community has no bounds. Well, that's it for this episode of Bloodworks 101. I'll leave you with that message of hope, something that we really need more of these days. I'm Bill Harper. Thank you for listening. Take good care, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.